Welcome to the AvGeeks Assemble podcast. And welcome to the AvGeeks Assemble podcast. I'm your host, Rob, and tonight we're having a completely unplanned 10th episode of season two of the podcast. So first off, I just want to thank everybody who sent in their questions and tuned in to episode nine to hear them. But as we alluded to, we overran our time slot quite considerably, which left us with over two and a half hours of content to go through, which meant, realistically, we had to split it into two. So what I've done is I've compiled the final five questions from the discussion and I'm putting them in here. So if you didn't hear your question in the last episode, it's more than likely in this one. So before we move into the questions, the last time out we talked about the plight of the Cornwall Aviation Heritage Centre and since that came out, unfortunately they've lost their battle to stay open. Despite all their best efforts and all the plans they had for the future, without the council's support, their funding has dropped out and unfortunately they're not able to move to their new off-site location. So unfortunately, this means they've got to break down their collection and start removing it from the site. Luckily, the vast majority of the collection is safe, with some items returning to their owners and some of the items finding new owners. They've also been lent a building on site, which they can store the final items before they find new homes. Whilst it's not the news we wanted to hear, I'm sure we could all agree that Cornwall Aviation Heritage Centre have done an excellent job in the seven years that they've been open, and they've brought aviation to thousands of fans, old and new. All I can say now is from everyone at Geeks Assemble, thank you for the work you've done, and hopefully we'll continue to do in other places, and we wish you all the best for the future. So now let's get to the reason why you're here, and we'll get on to your questions. Once again, I'm joined by Ant, Ben, Tim... Tom and Connor. So the, the next question comes from Hartley Photography. Um, would you enjoy an air show or a base visit as much if you couldn't take your camera? Yes. yes. Yeah. I think it would. I think at this point it would feel alien not having my ca- my camera with me. But I think, I mean, because I go to Ducksford a lot, so I feel like every time I go there and I've got the camera, I feel like I've got to get a. Um, I've got to get a new shot that I haven't got before. And there's kind of like an element of pressure in that. So I think it, I mean, one thing I am trying to do more now is that, especially with displays that I know, I try and get the the hero shot, but then the rest of it, I try and put the camera down and just enjoy the, the air display because you can just spend so much time watching an air show through your, your viewfinder. You just miss the 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 thrill and the, the joy of it sometimes. I think you, myself, you and Ant have all made that comment actually about was it the season finale last year or the last season podcast we did um about the september battle of britain production mm. show where it was wasn't it um nhs spitfire did like an intro display almost to uh, a minute silence or something yeah wasn't it the silence, uh, wasn't it? uh oh what was it uh the... it wasn't just it wasn't because the queen had just started it was yeah it was yeah yeah it was yeah yeah um so yeah and obviously it was all incredibly silent and it was such a poignant display it, i mean it felt wrong to a certain extent having the camera you know pointing it around and snapping away anyway but like a couple of the displays that ducks for that that specific show actually i just stopped halfway through and just put the camera down because they the, the way the caliber of the flying was 
beyond something I'd ever seen, especially somewhere like Duxford, where you know, we all laugh and joke a little bit about, you know, crowd lines and things like that, and they all display somewhere over Stansted. Um, <laughs> but, it, yeah, it was just, it was one of those displays you sat there and thought, actually, let me just absorb this for a few minutes. Let me understand what's mm. going on. We we had a similar experience at, um, at Rear on the Thursday, on arrivals day, with me, Ant and Tim, and we were all stood, and uh, it was the Korean Black Eagles, but just on their practice display, and we'd all been snapping the whole display, and they came into land, and every single one of us put our cameras down, and clapped them on the just way in. Just clapped, yeah. And, I mean, we're talking about a ten, was it a ten ship aircraft? Oh, it was eleven because they had one doing like some photography and filming. So eleven aircraft coming in, you could hear shutters going off left, right, and centre, but. We just all stood there and just clapped because the similar to like what Connor just said about the flying aircraft at Duxford, the airmanship that the Koreans put in for their display was top notch. They, you know, it was insane, and they they deserved it. And it was, yeah. yeah. I know you guys had sort of like not forewarned me, but had sort of said, you know, these guys are something else. Mm. And I think sort of like a third of the way through their display. You know, you're following around with the camera up and everything, and yeah, there were just, there was just moments where you go, "That's impossible." I've just that's impossible. What I've just seen you you can't do that. Not that slick, not that quick, and not that instantaneous. Mm. And like the the, I think it's is it their sort of like their finishing maneuver where they're they're up and they sort of like come down all together and then they do that sort of corkscrew separation thing corkscrew minibar <laughs> yeah the corkscrew minibar um yeah i like i think yeah i watched it on the thursday and then when they did when they did it the next time was it the saturday display because i don't think they did it on the friday did they um when they did it again i i stopped and watched because i was just like this is incredible mm. You know, it's just, it's just, it had so much finesse to it, but precision and stuff. It's like, <laughs> kind of feel sorry for the red arrows going up. So sort of like about twenty minutes later, it's like, you know, Beat that. it's it's like, how do you follow that? You, yeah, you can't. You know, you you can't. And yeah, just watching that made me appreciate it a lot more. Mm, yeah. Um, and I think as well. Um, I think it was the Spanish Hornet watching and, and definitely uh, Dream Viper or X Tiger as it was um, watching him throw that around. Mm. I've seen countless F-16 displays and sort of seeing him display that. I was like, F-16s can't do that. How's he doing that? You know, what is that? So, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with Dr- Dream Viper slash X Tiger because I saw Dream Viper at uh, Cosford last year, and that was its debut display, I think, last season. Um, and when he was doing all them negative negative G pulls and loops and stuff, it was just you just I literally just put the camera down. I was like, this is unreal. It's absolutely unreal. Um, but the, it's good. It, it shows that we're not just there for the photos. It shows that we're there as fans of aviation and we're fans of flying uh, and we can appreciate when someone is demonstrating extraordinary skill uh, and ability. Um, I, I mean, I, I spent years and years and years going to air shows without a camera. So 
I don't feel that I have to put the camera down that often, but there are times when, like you said, the Korean Black Eagles coming into land, yeah. I felt they deserved a round of applause rather than me taking photos of the same jet coming in 10 times. Yeah. Um, and uh, Dream Viper at Cosford last year, I, halfway through the display, I just put the thing down and just watched what he was doing because it was just astounding. Mm. Um, and yeah, there's moments like that at air shows. Uh, and there's moments like that at base trips as well. And you just yeah. think, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, um, one of the, the moments that stood out to me is when we went to the loop last year and um, we was up on bulk for wild wednesday and um <laughs> we we knew the f-35s were coming because we'd heard them on the radio and then they decided to do their practice dogfighting overhead yeah. and they were wow. at that they were at that height when there's no point taking a camera taking a picture of them but you could clearly see them and just yeah. sitting there and just watching them it's just like just watching in awe the what the maneuvers they were put in to sort of get on each other's town and stuff and you sort of think you know this is why i love aviation you know it's, this is not it's not about the 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 camera it's about watching what these pilots are doing you know yeah, yeah. I was watching the f-35s like you said it was watching them like we've all seen tactical roll demos where you know there's you know nice long curves and all that but to see f-35s almost pardon the pun drifting in the skies yeah like you said to get behind one another almost like it's like a uh, top gun maverick um but yeah to see them <coughs> drifting behind each other and all of that was yeah like you said it was insane and we did. We all just put our cameras down and we're all like, you know, that is absolutely amazing. It was, mm-hmm. you know, so, and it's something that you wouldn't get to see unless you were either flying the aircraft yourself or you were, you know, up at that height. You, would, you wouldn't get to see that. So to see it from the ground and watch it was just, yeah, it was something else. Like you said, it was a, a, a definitely a momentous occasion. Yeah, it was. It was a unique perspective, really. And I, I just remember... Like just, I was actually lying down on my hillside, just looking <laughs> up, and I remember like turning to you guys, and we were all just like, "Wow, like this is unbelievable!" And the, the best thing about that was you heard them shout up, um, I don't know, when they were transiting across Central England, and then you heard them like get, you know, come across to their high level stuff, and then you heard them talking about getting low, and you saw them get low, you saw them disappear, then you saw them come around the corner at five hundred feet, give or take. And then um, you know <laughs> you, you saw them go. It was the whole the whole process. But yeah, seeing seeing them dogfight was, you know, we we got loads of passes that week. But that was probably the fa- my favourite thing. And they were just black dots in the sky, but absolutely fantastic. I mean, if for me it felt like that was the closest thing to like childlike wonder I've experienced since being yeah, a child. Yeah. You know, but yeah, it was it was incredible. Just just sitting there on a hill in the sunshine, just watching these planes do. God knows what. They were just literally dancing about. That's, yeah. That's how you describe it. I think the, the thing on that was the the, the seemingly bizarre manoeuvres we were watching, and we are just like, you know, it's just that stunned silence amongst us all going, do you see that? Yeah. Do you see what you just done? Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know? I've sat there in the loop before on clear days, and I've watched hawks do it. Now, we all know a hawk T2 is, is a lot less manoeuvrable than an F-35A, but... Even they can like pull some maneuvers, and you think, "Whoa, yeah. look at that! That's pretty cool!" Like sort of thing. But that day when we were watching the F 35s it was just like next level. And like yeah. you say, like like Ben said, it was like they were like tail sliding like past each other yeah. to try and get that like nose on to the to the other jet to to win the win the battle sort of thing. It was just uh, it was special to watch. It was pretty cool. Excellent. So next question comes in from Martin, and he asks. What do you guys enjoy most about photography? 
learning. Yeah, good shout. That's a like, cracking answer. Li literally, every time I pick the camera up, if I'm at Lake and Heath or Mildenhall or wherever it is I am, um, I'm especially, I think, in the last year, I find that I'm learning stuff about photography, about, uh, it's cliche to say, my style, um, <laughs> or, you know, I'm just I'm just learning. And that, for me, is... Um, that's sort of like part of the buzz of it, mm. I think, is that I'm 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 constantly being tested. Yes, and I, by my own uh, desire, I suppose I'm pushing myself to learn more, to understand more, to always kind of try and take a better picture. I, I use that word loosely to try and take a better picture. Mm. Um, it doesn't always work. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, no. I think I think I think you're right. Like, sorry, Tom. Um, That's right. I was just going to say, I I, I think learning is a cracking answer because it, it, it that's exactly what you're doing every time you take that camera out, and like you you're always trying to just marginal. It's it's almost like you're trying to marginally improve on the last time you went out. Yeah. It, it's it's not like one of them hobbies where you make massive gains between every time you you click that shutter. But yeah, le learning is it's it's almost like addictive um yeah. when you learn something new and i think probably some some people in younger generations could probably uh <laughs> learn a thing or two from that <laughs> yeah i think yeah i think some people want instant gratification don't they but i think with, yeah with photography there's no such thing as instant gratification your pictures are only going to be as good as the amount of time you spend learning how to take them well we took we touched on it in the gear podcast didn't we as much as like we told you not to listen to what we said about not buying more gear, the actual message there was that like learning with the gear that you've got is the best thing you can do. And, and when you stop learning, then move on to something else. Now, all right, yeah, I went out and learn. bought. <laughs> <laughs> I went out and bought another camera two weeks after saying that, but <laughs> I'm quite far down my. The path of my journey should we put an inverted commas. This is an interesting justification. Are we listening to this? Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's fine. I don't have to just justify it to you. I've already justified it to the wife. <laughs> I need to buy a new camera to justify my new journey. <laughs> I need a journey. I need to find but myself. Yeah, I, I was I was far enough down that path with with the the previous uh, camera to 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 think right. I can I can level up with the with the new camera. So that's what I did. Um, but yeah, it's 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 learning. It's 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 learning. It's escapism, uh, like we said earlier. Um, and for me, on top of that, it's um, the camaraderie and the friendship. Like going out, like because I don't, I very rarely go out on my own. But if I do, I end up talking to some randomer and probably making a friend or two um, because I'm that sort of sociable type. But yeah, normally it'd be one or two of you guys that I end up going out spotting with um, and we'll have a good crack wherever it is we're going, whatever we're doing. I mean, for my thing, again, it's like I'd echo the um, the learning thing because I'm, I'm always learning something, whether it's from you guys or whether I've got my nose in a photo book and I'm learning a different way of editing, that sort of stuff. Um, and again, the camaraderie behind, I enjoy that. I think for me, my love for photography comes because I very much view photography as an escape. Um, and it is very much sort of my therapy. So it's like, I mean, Ben touched on earlier, the world is full of doom and gloom, but 
for those few seconds when I've got my eye to the eyepiece and I'm shooting a plane as it flies past and or when I'm stood on a beach and I'm just waiting for that chink of light and I'm focusing on the focusing on the camera screen, waiting for that light to come in and then clicking the button. For those that period of time, nothing else matters. It's just everything else just disappears. If I think photography gives you that, it gives you the I think one of the things it forces you to go outside as well because you, there's only so many pictures you can take inside. It forces you to try different things, go different places, and when you're focusing on different things, you're not focusing on the day-to-day grind. So it is a true sort of this piece of escapist art artistry, basically, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I am like, on my on my way into work this morning, just after six, um, like on the road down to the hotel. Um, there's a clear sort of like line of sight through some buildings all the way out to the horizon. And the sun was just coming up over the sea. And because the sun was literally just coming up, it was shining. The, the sea was like a mill pond. It was just so still. So the, the sun um, was reflecting off the sea practically the whole way in. And I, like, it was that split second of, do I stop my car on the top of this hill it's just after six. There's not really many people about. I could probably get out and get a killer shot of this. And I was like, no, because if I do that, I'm going to be late for work. And the answer is always yes. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, but for the next sort of like hour or so, while setting up at work and doing the other things, in the back of my tiny little mind, um, there was, you know, sort of, do I get up tomorrow morning and take the dogs out for a very, very early walk? sit up on that hill and wait for the sun to rise it's like no i'm gonna have a lay in um but you know that whole sort of ah that was a just like on your way to work and you start to go oh that's gonna make an amazing shot Mm. you know i mean the sun was like this bizarre insane like red orange it was just beautiful and it's, it's like you say getting out even on the way to work getting out and just that split second where you go oh that's gonna make a great shot do i do i do it i can't <laughs> yeah, i think uh, the thing you yeah. suffer from is that some of the, a lot of us suffer from because where you live because i've been there and done photography there and you've got a really photogenic like beach with uh, when it's not full of it yeah, when it's not full of full of it it's a nice shingle beach you've got some like abandoned boats on there you've got some <laughs> nice old in looking buildings and it's like <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're living with the well i live here i'll do it later mindset yeah, that's the one. Or, or the the I see that every day. I don't. I take it for granted. Yes, exactly. I see that every day. I take it for granted. Yeah. And it was it was the same drive that I would do. You know, twenty times a week. Um. You know, and there was just something about that sunrise this morning. I just went, "Wow, look at that! That's incredible." But I get that even sort of like, um, if I'm driving out to Lakenheath. And I will leave here at five to get there for sort of, yeah, maybe seven. And sometimes I'm leaving that time because I want to watch the sun come up, you know, and the route I take, there's sort of like often like laybys and sort of like slip roads and stuff that you can pull into. And if it's a clear morning and the sun's coming up, I've got my camera gear with me. You kind of go, ah, yes, timed it right. But because I'll be going to Lake and Heath, it will probably be cloudy and overcast and everything else. So, kind of shits on your parade. <laughs> <isn't it? laughs> no, I think I think that's actually like a really good question that Martin asked. And I think all the points you guys have said spot on. 
you know, and I, I agree with those. And I think the same, but one of the biggest things for me is like, you know, you make, you make the effort, you, you travel the miles to go down, you know, to these places, you go through all the engine warning lights, if you're me, uh, to get there. And, uh, <laughs> if you're an alpha room. <laughs> I'll talk about that later. Um, and, and I think for me, it's like, you, you know, you set up in position, you're waiting for something to happen. And it's like, you know, you, you constantly learn. So from your previous trip, you go, okay, I'm going to try this this time. And like jets coming towards you or whatever it is. And you see the moment like in your own eyes and, and you're capturing your own sort of record at that moment. And for me, it's the excitement after I don't know, a mass launch or something. I'll get to the camera. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, what have I got? Nine times out of ten, it's like, oh, it's crap, rubbish. But you get that, nice. that one shot that's like <laughs> spot on. No, Tom, what, what happens with you is you don't look at it. Then you come home, you dump it onto a hard drive, and then about six months later, you turn up in the chat at nine o'clock at night and go, oh, I just, look what I've just look found. What I've just found. <laughs> or, so or he you, turns up and goes, I've got so you, nothing to load up onto Instagram, and then dumps like 20 images into the chat. And it's so like, he, was, like Connor. Taking, he's like Connor, taking... but like he's, he's 12 months ahead of Connor's lead time. So. <laughs> I was taking pictures of a Hercules at one seventieth of a second, and then this F fifteen came in, and it's actually pin sharp. And you're just like looking at your phone, and you're like, right, phone to the bin. <laughs> and we're in the bin. <laughs> oh dear. Um... <laughs> well, no, and I, I, I think I think it's nice to then you know you got those pictures, you can look back on them if they end up on your wall, which is rare, you know, for for a lot of us. I know we all go on about wall hangers, but I don't I don't have many, and it's nice to sort of. You can look back on that and go, yeah, I took that of that. And then you learn, yeah, that's you know, a, next time that's you go a, out, you, you think, right, I'll do this differently. And you keep applying it. It's a constant learning curve. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> I've got like two pictures hanging up on my wall. And every time I look at them, I think, ah, I took that. But there's, the, there's the, the, the downside of it going, I took that. So I know I can take pictures like that. I just choose not to. <laughs> yeah, I think I think for me, it's kind of alluding what everyone said and what Tom said. But for me, it's especially like I know I keep badgering on about it all the time, but the air to air with the Spitfire, it's what you're seeing through your eye and you're capturing that moment, and you've got that record then for the rest of your life, and it's. It's being able to capture that and look at back and go, bloody hell, that was insane. I, you know, I've said it in the in the the, the podcast I did previous when we, we talked with me and, and Craig Strawbridge when we talked about doing the air to air and Connor, sorry. <laughs> and um I said that, you know, when I stepped off the helicopter, I, I had tears in my eyes. And yeah, it was yeah. the fact that I could look back at the photos and go, Jesus Christ, at that moment in time. I, you know, I, I was feeling this emotion, I was feeling that emotion. But I think for me, I enjoy it as a hobby. I don't think, in my opinion, I would be able to do it as a job because there's so much pressure to be a photographer as a as a career, like a wedding photographer. Yeah. You know, for us as as aviation spotters, if you're at a base at Lake and Heath and an F-15 comes in and you cut it off by the nose, you know that there's another one coming in behind or yeah. that later on in the day, another one's going to come in. So you can work it out. Whereas 
with like wedding photography or anything like that you've got that moment once that's it then you 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 can't repeat it you know like like tim said driving you know and you see that one glint and you're like oh bloody hell that make amazing but you go back 15 20 seconds later it's gone and i think the, the pressure of that i don't think i would be able to to operate as a you know as a doing it as a career so you know credit to all the ones that do it as a career and you know perform all the time but yeah for me i i, I just enjoy it as a hobby it's a fact that, like we said earlier getting away from the world yeah and capturing those moments and having the banter at the fence with the with the guys as well is what i think as well it. so like if you if you chose to do it as a career and i've said this to people at work they're like oh you know you could do this as a job I'd, I'd I'd love to do it as a job, but then it would become a job, not a hobby, not a passion. Yeah. You know, it 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 would detract. And not only that, it's like if I'm taking a picture of like like the Dutch 35s that came into Lakenheath a few weeks back. You know, three of us were there. We've all got very similar shots, but that was just three of us. And there must have been what 30, 40 people, 50 people standing there. 50 people have all got the same shot. So to do it professionally, what makes your picture stand out to make it a professional picture? Nothing. Yeah. You know, it's the same picture of the same plane that 50 other people have got. None of us just sat there with sort of like a single shutter thing. You know, as they're coming in, it's a... Or in some people's case, it's a... Um, you know, it's just, you know, hundreds of pictures of a plane and if you're a professional photographer, you've got to have something about your picture which makes it stand out from those hundreds of other shots. Mm. That's too much pressure to put on it, and that just detracts from enjoying it as a hobby and a passion. That mm. I don't think I could ever, as much as it would oh, be lovely, you know, get paid to travel around the world to sort of take pictures of planes. Yeah, great, but no, <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> just no. <laughs> cool. So moving on to the next question. So um, Sam asks, what are your thoughts on drones being the next generation of aircraft and how will it affect the hobby? Um, oh, dear. <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of like the F-35 situation, isn't it? It's like, you know, it was like when the F-16 came out, every Air Force wanted the F-16. Mm. Now the F-35 is coming out and every Air Force wants the F-35. So like you said, very soon drones are going to come out and with the whole OPSEC, going over in the states at the moment on their on the, the strategic air command aircraft i feel that they'll just be boring they won't have any shenaz or character to them i don't mm. think you know you won't see a you know a um i'm trying to think of a drone now that, that flies like a global hawk you won't see a global hawk display no you know or you won't see a global hawk demonstration team or a nine ship of global hawks. <laughs> <Yeah>. Imagine <laughs> you, know, you could quite yeah. imagine seeing it. Uh, uh, but the global arrows. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be better than the red arrows. Oh, <laughs> oh, we went there. It's controversial. <laughs> um, and I think I think the thing is as well is it's not the aircraft, it's the crew in oh, the aircraft. Yeah. You know, yeah. we all love it. You know, when like X Tiger goes past and you get the claw or you get the X or, you know, get a pilot wave or anything like that. But with a drone, it's just going to be an inanimate object. I mean, all aircraft are inanimate objects, but it will just go past you and it will just be like, oh, yeah, 
You know, there was yeah. there was nothing to it because the drone operators in Las Vegas in an air conditioned ISO container, where like you might get an air break. Yeah, but... <laughs> yeah. After it's you been might... delayed for about twenty minutes of because the, the signal yeah. was dropped, but <laughs> with... and that's 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 the thing, isn't it? It's mm. like, for the past one hundred years, give or take, aviation has been a glorious marriage of man and machine. Yes, we're, we're on the we're on the cusp of an era where it's just machine. Mm. And personally, for me, I'm not interested in that era. Yeah, nah. as far as I'm concerned, if I if I went to Lake and Ethan, every single thing that took off was an unmanned drone. That's the hobby dead for me. Not yeah. interested. Yeah, you exactly. I mean, well. oh, sorry, Tom. Go on, go no, on. no, go on, mate. Carry on. Um, see, so talking about places like Lake and things like that, where you are, where you do have the opportunity to get. Not necessarily slightly more intimate with like the aircraft and things like that, but obviously, you know, when you're at the spotter settings, you know, you can when they, they park up, yeah, waiting to launch, you do get gestures from the crew and things like that. And they're all friendly. I'm not saying yeah. There's some will maybe demonstrating right now. They're they're not um they're not rude gestures or anything like that. And actually it's sort of you know, they maybe the next thing that inspires that person to maybe pick up a camera or Maybe the next thing that inspires that person to go, I oh, know, I want to be a fighter pilot. Although, yeah, that slightly detracting from the subject of the question, but um, you know, it the 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 human element of it probably is what makes the hobby that more interesting. And as mm-hmm. Tim rightly said about shops and things like that as well, it it makes a shop different. So mm-hmm. yeah, when it's just essentially an inanimate object, it's yeah, it detracts from it all a little bit, really. The other thing as well is, you know, we've all seen Terminator. We've all seen Final Destination. If there's drones flying around, at some point, one of them's going to go nuts. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I, I think, yeah. I mean, I, I echo what you say. I think it's, for me, the hobby is about the pilots and what they do with the planes. I mean, yeah. I think I think we're still some time off from having a purely frontline drone force. I mean, I know they're talking about the mm. Tempest being uh, potentially unmanned, but I, I, I don't see... Within the time that I've got left, doing it will need to be. Let's be honest with the mess of recruitment in the RAF, yeah. won't it? It needs to be unmanned. That's for, that's <laughs> I mean, for another podcast. That's, that's, yeah, that's, that's another, another podcast. One. That's another one. <laughs> um, I mean, but yeah, I mean, I think I don't think we're going to reach the point in the next probably the next twenty years where we're going to have purely unmanned frontline fighter jets. Um, I think you you might end up in a situation where you have a fighter jet and a drone wingman potentially. But I mean, yeah. you sort of saw with the um, the US drone that got taken down by the. Uh, the Russian jet recently that what took that down was the maneuvers by that Russian pilot, not mm. another drone. It was the, the maneuvers he used to take down that drone without actually shooting it down. So, you know, it's those sort of decisions that get made in the cockpit that only a pilot can make. And mm. so many battles Crash have been won it. by human decisions. And as good as AI is, it's always going to try and take the most efficient um, option, not necessarily the right, option so i think mm. i think for while we're doing it i think we're still going to have manned flying um i mean if if we get to the point where i think like Anne says if everything taking off is just an unmanned drone i think that at that point it'll be done for me um but i mean i think i think we're still a good 20 years off before that even becomes a thing yeah i, I think i think we are a, a way off that and luckily the warbird scene is is still um going strong and it's growing um and we're, we're only a couple of years away from having mosquitoes back in the air in this mm. this country which are i am literally counting down the seconds to yeah personally but um 
Warbirds will always be celebrated. And I would like to think the Jets of today and the last 20 or 30 years or so would be celebrated like the Warbirds are today in the next 20 to 30 years. Mm. And some will be kept in an airworthy condition so that we can see them air show still and celebrate what they did and what they stood for and, and, and sort of how they kept us safe um, through the cold war and into the like sort of nowadays. And um, yeah, I, th- I think, I think that the thing like the battle of Britain Memorial flight will, will, there will be other other organizations and squadrons like that as years go by with more and more jets. I'd love to see, I'd love to see, um, something from the RAF that would celebrate. I know it's not never going to happen, but I, I, I'd love to see something that celebrates things like phantoms and mm-hmm. Jags and Buccaneers and Tonkers. Do you know what I mean? And those jets of that era, but unfortunately money is, uh, a funny old thing. And, the RAF doesn't seem to have a lot of it these days, so we might have to wait for a private venture to 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 uh, to bring that to our air show scene. But there, there's there's the uh, Norwegian historical flight, um, so that, that they've got they've got plenty of jets and like what they've got the Draken, the mm-hmm. uh, Vigan, and uh, different things like that. So yeah, there's. Um, there's there's hope out there yeah and there's there will always be people who are passionate about manned flight Mm. and uh, as long as those people are sort of uh, supported and celebrated then we'll continue to see manned flight throughout our lifetimes at least and hopefully for, for, for for other generations as well to enjoy yeah excellent now moving on to the next question now this is a good question um, I think we've all had you said that about the last one. Now, this is this this is this is a very good one. Um, Alex Wood A three W one three zero one asks, "What content interests you most within the community, and do you think the military aviation community and social media could improve the space and hobby?" Ooh. Wow, Ooh, you do know it's like gone ten o'clock at night, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> do, you want me, do you want me to start? Go on, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll start this one, yeah. You crack on. So I I like content that. Um, makes me want to be better so a lot of the people that i follow and follow religiously are people that i look up to or inspire me and drive me to be better in terms of the community itself i think generally the community is a very good community and everybody's willing to help each other and you know you'll go to a fence and people will just talk to each other and you know you then realize afterwards you were talking to so-and-so from instagram or whatever um i think sometimes that there are people within the community who are doing it for the wrong reasons um and when i say wrong reasons i think it's more about the kudos they can get from getting a shot rather than the enjoyment of getting the shot and i think there's there's a lot of i think one of the worst things we've got is there's elitism and people will think they're inherently better than someone because they have a picture of something that other people don't and i think it's just a people measure their success based on how many people like their photos or what squadron responds to them, that sort of thing. And they don't view it as an art piece, basically. And you you sort of see people sort of people appearing places on a tip off and then pretending, Oh, I was just walking my dog or something. And they think they're in, inherently better than everyone else because of it. And I think, yeah, I think those, those people could, could be a bit more humble, I think and be a bit more willing to help other people, especially, I mean, p- 
pe- people like us, it does it sort of it just washes off our back. But there are, I, I know there are young younger people who are coming into the hobby who feel disheartened by pe- older people who are just sort of acting like they are the big I am and just sort of turn these people away, which in my opinion is is wrong. You should it should be yeah. it's aviation is something that everyone should be a part of and no one person should feel they are better than anybody else. Um, you know, because of likes and that sort of thing. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I totally agree with that. I do. Um, and I, I do think that in the past few years, it's actually got better than mm-hmm. it, rather than getting any worse from that point of view. Yeah. Um, I do think as a community, we're, we're, we're very sort of um, supportive of one another. And um, yeah, I think, I think, I think specifically on Instagram and Facebook, the, the aviation photography community is quite strong. And I think it does, it, like you're always meeting people that you've spoken to through a DM on whether it's Instagram or Facebook or, or one of the other social medias or whatnot. And you're always putting names to faces and stuff. And, and that's always great. Uh, but there, there is an element of what you just said, definitely. And there always will be, but I think that's the case in all hobbies, in all walks mm. of life uh, and in all professions. So you will always get them people, unfortunately. Um, But to go back to the actual question that was asked about what content I enjoy, I think my answer is very much in line with yours, mate, is is stuff stuff that inspires me to to get out there and to to try and improve my own photography or stuff that gives me ideas for for my own type. So not just just copying other people's work, that's – maybe thinking oh i i like that but i could do my own twist on it sort of thing um so yeah it's a, it's, it's a great question it really is a great question because like tim said earlier a lot of a lot of what we do to a point is quite repetitive uh, we, we go to the same places and we take pictures of the same things over and over again and we're only seeing minuscule returns or differences on what we got before but it's that drive to improve that drive to do better to improve ourselves to learn i think that that keeps us motivated to do that and i think if you see something from someone that's so much different whether it's an editing style um an angle of a jet that you've not seen before or getting an angle on a helicopter or a different place at a base or something like that it gives you that sort of kick up the backside to get out there and and try a bit harder yeah Uh, tom you look like you want to come in on that one yeah, I think like one in terms of like content that <clears throat> I like to see or that excites me. W- one of the things I'd say is like what's seeing like my friends getting pictures that you know they they've wanted for ages or that they're putting in all the effort and they're really enjoying the hobby and, and seeing what they get. Like even though like you say we've all got loads of similar pictures, I always love when one of you guys sends a picture to the chat looking at it and going oh you know like that that's rob's take on it that's Anne's take on it that's awesome and sort of celebrating that in a way um you know and and quite often yeah it's a case of you want to see stuff that obviously inspires you and, and makes you be a better photographer but i think seeing people who you know you consider your friends people who you talk to a lot of people you get on with seeing them you know doing well producing content that's you know really good and that they should be proud of is, is is really nice. Hence why, you know, I always make sure I'm following, you know, people who 
mainly people I've spoken to in person and you sort of see that journey that they're going along. You see their work, you know, improving, the different things they're getting and it's quite nice seeing that, I think. I think for me, over the last seven or eight months, and I mean, we all, we've all been guilty of it. We've all chased the numbers on Instagram. We've all chased likes. We've all chased subscribers. And I know Rob has touched on this quite a few times in, in our in our group chat with the whole algorithm of social media nowadays and, you know, that certain things want to be seen and shown by social media. It's not down to, like, what you, you could put a picture of tomato up and get 15,000 likes and, you know, gain a load of subscribers. Or you could put in a picture that's taking you, you know, three hours to plan, two minutes to shoot and six hours to edit and get five likes. I've stopped chasing those numbers now. And now I go for the the satisfaction that people out there are seeing what I'm, what I'm producing. And if I get a comment, someone saying, you know, oh, that looks absolutely fantastic. Or oh, I'd love to know how to get that shot. Then that makes me feel better than looking and seeing that I've got 15,000 likes on a, on a shot. I, I'm yeah. quite happy to see, you know, you know, anyone produce an image, whether it be really poor or really good, as long as they enjoy taking it and it looks good on my eyes and others' eyes, then I'm, I'm happy in that case. But yeah, I've, I've stopped chasing the numbers on, on, uh, on social media now for, for gratification. Think- I'm just happy just, just to see both my end results and people that I enjoy, you know, seeing their results as well. I think that's one way how the group, um, that is Avgeek Assemble has matured over the years. Like I think there was a time where we were almost competing with each other and, oh, I've got this many followers and I've got this many likes. And it was very naive back then in the, in the early days. Mm. Um, I think nowadays, I think the vast majority of us just ignore the numbers really. Um, we some, Most for the enjoyment. Yeah. We, we sometimes get a bit miffed at Instagram's algorithm or do you know what I mean? Cause it's being, stupid as usual and like it's only showed it to 12 people of which 15 have liked it um but like that aside that aside like um i agree with ben like i would much prefer um to 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 not even have a like count available whatsoever Mm. just 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 deal with the interactions that it creates so I, i i much more enjoy the the sort of the messages, the the comments that I get as a result of a photo, than than looking at an arbitrary number that's generated by an algorithm that knows nothing about the image I've taken. Mm. Yep. Yeah, I have to agree with all that as well. You know, it's again, my posting schedule is, doesn't favour me with an algorithm at all, so I don't really care about likes or anything like at this point. You know, <laughs> the graph. All your page. stuff's historic, yeah, even I if know. you've taken it today. Yeah, <laughs> looking forward to seeing these army Chinooks in 2027. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, once you, they've retired, be, I'll post photos. You'll be posting F 35 shots when they're warbirds. Yeah, <laughs> part of the warbird display when whatever it is, the B-21's in service. Yeah, um, through back to 2023. <laughs> no, um, again, it's the, the gratification and sort of the comments and everything that. You know, you get the feedback from people, both you know and you don't necessarily know, because, again, I probably have quite a small follower account compared to some of the guys on here, um, probably again my own doing. Um, 
but it's not about those numbers but you know i've not met every single 17 1700 per, 1700 people that follow me you know I, um so it's nice to hear the feedback from people and you know some bigger names as well especially sometimes um but in regards to stuff like shots and what i look for now especially when i i'm following people and looking out for stuff on instagram it definitely has to be both stuff as everyone's mentioned at this point inspiring stuff and stuff that intrigues me like not that i'm out to copy shots or anything like that but we all sit there's always that shot you see and go how the bloody hell has someone got that or mm. has someone managed to get that angle or how how someone done that you know what shot speed they use but you know what what funny angle have they hung their camera at through the fence or you know how have they done a handstand to take that all that sort of shit um and yeah that that makes me then research a little bit more maybe look into it a little bit more and then how could i quite achieve that and you know what do i need to do with my settings or what do i where do i need to be to maybe catch that shot or something along those lines i think like so there's there's a Brad, uh, Bradley is it Bradley Wetsnall on uh, on oh, Instagram? Yeah. Yes. Who yes. Who, yeah. do, who does all the Warbird air to air stuff? Seeing some of his shots is so pleasing to the eye, and it just makes me want to go and rob a bank and spend all of that money on doing air to air with Warbirds because mm. the shots he get are, are just insane and out of this world. They are just yeah. like top quality and. You know, he's obviously, you know, been able to get his work sponsored by Bretling and have like 25 foot posters in the Bretling shop in New York. Um, something that I would love to do, and I know that I never would get to do, but never say know, never. Yeah, well, yeah, this is true. I mean, but um, yeah, just it's stuff like that. You just see it every so often and it just sparks that, you know, you could be having a really low point. You know, you've not been out for ages, you've not been able to edit anything, then you see something like that and it just sparks you straight back up and you're like, boom, right back to the editing table we go. That's but, it. Yeah. That's it. Uh, I think, and like, talking of uh, Bradley, I think it's Ventsel, I think it's pronounced. I think it's like a V yeah, pronunciation. Like Sorry if I've butchered but... your name. <laughs> no, I've probably butchered it as well. He'll probably, uh, he'll probably correct us at some point. But um, yeah, his, his, his work's unbelievable. And the thing I love the most about his work is his air-to-air shots with like mosquitoes i mean long-time listeners of the podcast know that i love mosquitoes and the second there's some available in this country and there's an air-to-air with one i will be there as well doing those shots and and i will be trying to not emulate but i will be trying to sort of reach the sort of levels that he has he he has achieved during his photography career um with those sort of shots because they are just absolutely mind-blowing and they, yeah. like you say, they're so pleasing to the eye. It's they are almost the perfect aviation shots, especially if you're into warbirds. It is gotcha, definitely. It is one of the best feeds on Instagram, and I look at it on a daily basis. So, yeah, totally I think if I, if I had a, a big house, I think I'd have almost one of every shot that he's ever produced on my on <laughs> yeah. my wall. I was like to be honest, I, I'm still I'm still trying. Still trying to justify putting one of my own air-to-air Spitfire shots up, so I want to do that first before <laughs> before getting one of his shots up in in one of the rooms in the house. But, well, yeah, that's a battle for another day. <laughs> Tim, what are your thoughts? Uh, I mean, it's I kind of echo what's already been said. You know, what content interests me the most in the community? I mean, it's cliche to say like 
within our own group, you know, we take in, I think sometimes we take inspiration from each other. Um, some of us um, post shots that are frankly just jaw dropping. Um, and you just go, I hate you. <laughs> I hate you with a I hate you with a I hate you with a passion. I hate you with a passion, but I also love you at the same time. That's it, exactly. <laughs> um and then there's people further afield, uh, like well, not even further afield, but then there's people like at the fence at Lakenheath or at Mildenhall, you know, and you meet them sort of like each week you go down there and you have the good crack with them and everything else. And then you see what they post on sort of Instagram or Facebook when you get home and you go, Wow, that's a great shot, you know, absolute belter um and even alex you know guy who asked the question like he's just been out into vegas and oh, the, yeah. the shots he got of some of those f-16s yeah, some shots i was I, mm. you know i i, I sort of i messaged him and said right i'm unfollowing you because i can't look at this for the next two <laughs> weeks you know i'm like i'm done I, I'll, I'll i'll see you at the <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll see you at the fence when those you stories back you posted those stories you posted where he was showing like he basically like was like recording his laptop and like scrolling through all the shots he got from nellis i was just like you bastard <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but at the same exactly. time i was like i cannot wait for these shots i literally mm. cannot wait for these edited shots Absolutely. to hit his feed you know, like, oh, and he's awesome he's, his his B one reel at night where it's taken oh, off. You know, I was just that's that's the sort of the content that inspires in my, me. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that is it. it. That is that's it. That's content that inspires. You know, me, you know, we've we've all seen the videos. Of it's that. not just the sort of like what you what you know you could say the mega stars on Instagram with the f- millions of followers and stuff. Um, it's like uh, what's his name? Is it is it Sam? Oh, Santos. Sam. No, 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 Sam Eckholm. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. The guy who was in the Air Force, who's come out of the Air Force yeah, or yeah. whatever it is, you know, seeing what he gets up to, you kind of go, God, what an opportunity mm. you have got, you know. And then, yeah, there's the megastars like Santos, you know, he puts something up, you just know it's just going to be, right, how many rivets am I counting <laughs> today, you know. Um, Santos is like the Ronaldo of aviation photography, isn't he? He is, except he's not obnoxious. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I haven't found I haven't found him to be. I mean, I've, I've like you know messaged him or chatted to him like on messages or like in posts and stuff. I always found him to be approachable and like you know he seems like a decent guy. So you know he's not obnoxious with it. You know, uh, I mean he must get bombarded daily. You know with oh, what gear do you use? Mm. What this? Etc. Of 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 people who want to emulate the shot that he took. And you can be frustrated by that, or you can look at it and go, wow, I'm inspiring a lot of people. I'm yeah. going to take the positive spin out of that. Um, so what what content do I like? Something that inspires me to keep pushing on. You know, we, have, we all have down days at the fence where you come back with just a memory card of dross, and then you can go onto Instagram and just sort of think, oh, that's not fair. Or you can look at it and go, okay, next time I go back, I'm going to do better. You know, maybe I just try and emulate that shot. I'll I'll try and get as close to it as I can. You know, um, so yeah, community thing. <sighs> I think everybody's got to be in their bonnet about something, or you know, everybody's got an opinion on stuff. Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes it's not a good thing. You know, just because you've got an opinion on something doesn't mean everybody needs to hear it, and doesn't mean that you're right about mm-hmm. it. But um, you know, I think. For the for the mainstream, we are all quite supportive of each other. Agreed. 
I would think, you know. Yeah. And we're there to we're there to support each other because if we don't support each other, if we don't help each other along, then the 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 hobby or the future of this hobby is is bleak. Mm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think, I think one, one of the things is, I mean, like I mentioned earlier, it's a lot of people who do it for the kudos factor and things. And yeah. one thing I always think back of is like, you know, there's no cool factor in this. I mean, we're plane spotters. Yes, there is. We're, the planes we're, are cool. We're, we're yeah. plane spotters. We're, we're, <laughs> the only <laughs> difference between us and train spotters is that our planes go really high and really quick. You know, there are people in the group who go and take the tail numbers down. It's like, if you want to do that, great. You know, it's, it's like there's, there's the sense of elitism you get from some people. It's just like, right, you know, we're plane spotters. You know, everybody. So like my wife comes on. She goes, "Oh, who's wearing what color anorak today when we go out?" Uh, <laughs> and it's like it's kind of like, you know, just like everybody, just be humble and be cool to each other. You know, there's there's no yeah. need to try and be bigger. Or... I think as well, there's there's that sort of elitism to know or to think that you know mm. what's going on inside that fence line. You know, the only people who le- like legitimately know what's going on inside that fence are the people inside that yeah. fence that are climbing into the planes that are taking care of the planes or that are planning whatever is happening with those planes. They're the only people you get so many people going, Oh, this is happening next week, or this is happening next week. And there's a, there's a fair chance that it might happen. But for every child, for every time that, that something does happen, how much I'm going to swear, how much horse shit do you have to fucking wade through? Um, you know, and you, you sort of hear, oh, this is happening. I don't believe that. This is happening. I'll believe it when the when the wheels hit the ground. You know, there's people out there that get information. Yeah, and fair play to them because they've probably been in the right place at the right time and deserve it. And what they do with it, that's you know, that's up to them. But it's also, I think, if you're in that position, it's a privilege. You know, if you've been sort of trusted to know that information it's a privilege yeah. and i don't think you should be abandoned about in sort of like public chat groups i'm going on a rant cut this out because it's just just going to end up in a fucking a quagmire of, it's just going to end up in a quagmire <laughs> so yeah cool so guys then one final question it's a quick fire question for everyone so i'll go around the room what is your favourite plane and why? Uh, I'm going to go over my screen. I'm going to start with Ben. Oh, why me? <laughs> Especially quick oh, fire. Quick fire, Rob. Quick fire. Um, yeah, this is going to be a quick fire question. Um, Warbird. This is the slowest quick fire ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you have to make me think. Why More me? slow um, burn. This is right. Jesus. So, Warbird, Spitfire, Fast Jet, Tornado. Cool. And Ant. Mosquito, it's beautiful. Yeah, we knew that one. Tom? <laughs> uh, Strike Eagle, just because with tanks on, it looks epic. Excellent. Connor? Tornado. Nice. Tim? Uh, Phantom. Purely for childhood memories of sitting on that crash gate at watching, watching them taxi pass. Uh, it's just heart, heart milling. Excellent. And for me, it's the, it's the P- <laughs> P-47 Thunderbolt. Original, Ooh, original jokes. Thunderbolt. It's because cool. it's it's big, it's noisy, it's clanky. It's just a massive piece of metal that flies through the sky, and it's just like it's what's not to love. Everyone loves jokes. And, yeah, I was going to say, and you love and you love massive jokes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. 
so that brings us to the end of this one then i think really so you know guys let's try and find out where everyone can find you i'll go around the room um just give us your instagram or your facebook or whatever we'll start with tim where can people find you uh, you can find me on instagram and facebook as r to b photos wonderful and connor when you post in the 2030s where can people find you <laughs> yeah, so if you actually want to uh, actually want to follow me and see that i don't post um it's cm aviation underscore photography wonderful and tom where can we find you uh instagram uh at tom Whitworth photo that's your best bet perfect and ant where can people find you uh, yeah, Instagram as Anthony underscore Fogarty underscore aviation and YouTube and Facebook is just Anthony Fogarty. Perfect. And Ben? Uh, Instagram and Facebook is Ben's Aviation Photography and a bit of YouTube as BA Video. And you can find me at RS7 Aviation. And of course, you can find the group at Avgeeks Assemble on Instagram. We've also got the Facebook, which is Avgeeks Assemble. We're trying to turn it into a bit of a community page where you can come in, you can ask your questions, you can post your pictures from base visits and air shows, and just generally talk to other people and other photographers. So please do come across and join in the fun over there. Finally, we want to thank all of you guys who have stuck with us for the past 12 months. We welcome all of your feedback, and all your positive feedback keeps driving us forward, and all the critical feedback helps us get better episode by episode. We're really excited to bring you the next season of the podcast. We've got a lot of new ideas. We want to try some different things. And hopefully, we're going to be able to bring you some more guests along the way. So once again, thank you to all of our listeners. We'll see you in season three. And we will most definitely see you at the fence. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Avgeeks Assemble podcast. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Avgeeks Assemble. Avgeeks Assemble.